You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Tuesday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes you and I to to prosper and to win and to overcome. I'm glad to have you with us today. It is Tuesday. I hope you had a great day in church this past weekend. You know you need to be in church somewhere. Uh, The local church is a part of God's plan for the believer. And if you don't have a church, we'd love to have you at Faith Chapel. But listen, I have a great word for you today. I'm going to begin a new series. Listen, I got my iPad here. If you have any questions or any comments, you can always send them in while I'm teaching or directly after I finish teaching, I'll answer some of those questions or communicate your comments. Listen, it's going to be a blessing. I'm going to begin a new series today. I am convinced it's going to change your life. No doubt about it. It is is going to change your life. I'm going to begin a series today entitled Mixing Faith with God's Word. Mixing Faith with God's Word. You know, I've discovered something, and and I'm a pastor. I I have a wonderful uh, church, Faith Chapel, Birmingham, Faith Chapel, Columbus, Georgia. We have two campuses. in two different states, one church, but in two different states. And here's what I've learned. And there are many Christians who love God. Many Christians genuinely saved, genuinely born again, committed to God, read their Bibles on a regular basis, but do not know how to take God's promises whether it be promises in the written word or promises or or revelations given by his spirit. Many Christians don't know how do I take what God is saying or has said to me and apply it to my everyday life. How do I, what the scripture calls, mix faith with what God says? Well, you're going to learn that in this series, and I promise you, it's going to be worth your while. Please let someone know that we're we're live, we're teaching. Uh, call them, uh, text them, let them know. And then after the teaching, I'll answer questions. And then, listen, I want you to share this lesson with others. Now, our background text is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. I'll read it from the New King James Version. It says, For indeed... The gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Now, here many debate who the author of Hebrews is. I believe it was the Apostle Paul. The author of this Uh, Bible, uh, Hebrews, is communicating both a truth and a warning. 
he says that the gospel of the good news was preached to the nation of Israel as it is being preached to the church. He says in this verse, verse 2, Hebrews 4.2, that the gospel, the good news that Israel heard did not profit them even though they heard it because they did not mix faith with what they heard. Now, this is a revelation, but it's also a warning. He's saying to you and I in the same way that Israel, the nation of Israel, had God's word, but failed to mix faith with it and did not uh, receive profit, the same could happen to us. So let's let's dive into this this text. First, in Hebrews chapter four, verse two, we we see a revelation that God wants believers. That's you and I. You made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, and He wants all men to be saved. Then the text says that it is God's will that we profit from His word. God wants you to profit. He wants you to profit from his written word. He wants you to profit for any direction, any guidance that the Holy Spirit gives you. He wants you to profit from his word. And that word profit, we all like the word profit. The word profit means to benefit. That word profit means to have an advantage. The word profit means to be better off. Now notice, It is God's will, it is God's plan that you and I not just have the Bible, not just read it every day, not just have our quiet time, our meditation time, and not just go to church and serve in church, but it is his plan that his word, his promises to us profit us. He wants us to benefit. He wants us to have an advantage, and we should have an advantage over those who don't have the word, over those who are not saved, and we should be better off for having the word. We should be better off. And there are five five basic needs that we all have. And if a person consistently sit under God's word, they should be better off for having heard God's word, whether it be in their spiritual life, their mental, emotional life, their physical life, their social, their relationships, their finances. In some area, if you're consistently sitting under God's word and you have God's word, then your life should profit from it. You should benefit. Life should be better for you. You should have an advantage. But this text also reveals to us that it is possible to have God's word. It is possible to know God's word. And yet God's word does not profit us. Now, that would be an an unfortunate reality. And I think that's an unfortunate reality for many committed Christians. This text reveals to us that ignorance is not the issue here. 
Now, Hosea 4, 6 tells us that some have a problem of ignorance. It says, my people are destroyed, cut off for a lack of knowledge. But this is not the case for this group of individuals. And this is not the case for some of you. Some of you, you're in a good church. <clears throat> you're being taught the word, line upon line, precept upon precept. You have a good pastor. Then your life should be better off. You should have an advantage. You should benefit. But it is possible to have the word and know the word, and yet that word not profit you, which implies that something is missing. Something is missing. Now, maybe you're a young Christian or baby Christian, and you haven't been in the word long, and it's going to take you a minute to, to get your spiritual feet up under you. But some of you have been in the word for some time. So the word should be producing results in your life. You should be able to see tangible results in your life. Now, for example, many of you, you, you bake or you cook or and you're good at it. And let's say you bake a cake and uh, you take the cake out of the oven and that cake Listen, it's flatter than a pancake. It did not rise. Sometimes cakes can look bad, but they taste good. But you taste the cake and it, the taste of the cakes, you know something is missing. There is something that you did not add. There was some ingredients that you forgot or uh, you overlooked or you, you didn't mix it properly. Now, my wife, you know, I like, you know, this banana uh, nut bread. And sometimes she will take a hand mixer and she will mix certain ingredients, put it in the oven, and it comes out great. And I, I just love it. Well, that hand mixer has different parts to it. It has different parts to it. It has a handle. You know the hand mixer has a handle connected to an enclosure and the enclosure uh, house a motor. So you have the enclosure, you have the handle, you have the motor, and then there are mixer beaters, those little metal blades that come out and stir up the ingredients together, different parts. Well, the Bible says that these individuals had the word, they heard the word, they heard good news, but they didn't mix faith with it. They did not mix faith with what they heard. So they had the word, but there was something missing. They didn't mix the ingredients up. In every spiritual transaction, listen to this. This is, this is important. In every spiritual transaction, there is God's side or God's part. God's part has to do of what he has achieved for you and I in redemption. In fact, uh, God's part is already finished. 
God has done everything that he's going to do for us. He has purchased our redemption. Our redemption is a settled fact in eternity, in the world of the spirit. However, you and I must take our faith and then the spiritual hand mixer and mix it, our faith with what God has already accomplished in Jesus Christ. And so in this series, I'm going to give you the parts to this spiritual hand mixer, the parts of it. There are four parts. Focus. We got the word, but focus, foundation, process, and development. These are the four parts of this spiritual hand mixer. And I'm going to take each part, and I'm going to show you how to take what God has said or is saying or what God has done or is doing in your life and how you're to mix faith with it. And then God will confirm it with signs following. So let's begin talking about the first part of our spiritual hand mixer, and that is focus. So the title of our first lesson today is Focus Matters. Focus matters. Say that. Focus matters. Now, before we talk about what or who we should focus on, let's talk a little bit about misplaced focus. Misplaced focus. In John, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 1 through 9, there's a beautiful text that communicates to us the reality of an individual who had a need, but his focus was off. In John 5, verse 1 through verse 9, it says, In Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, there was a pool of water in the Hebrew tongue called Bethesda. This pool of water called Bethesda had five porches. And in these porches, colonnades, levels, and areas, there were a multitude of impotent people, multitude of ill people, weak people, sick people, with all kinds of diseases. And the Bible says that these individuals that were sick was waiting for an angel to come down and stir the pool because the scripture says when the angel came down and stirred the water, the first sick person who got in the pool was healed of whatever disease that person had. Well, the Bible says that Jesus came on the scene and he saw a man who had an infirmity for 38 years and Jesus knew this man's condition. Now, on Sunday mornings, we've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit. The Bible says that Jesus, who had never met the man, hadn't had one conversation with the man, 
did not know the man, but he knew by revelation, he knew by word of knowledge that this man had been paralyzed and sick for 38 years. Can you imagine trying to get in a pool for 38 years and never getting in that pool? So Jesus came on the scene, knew by revelation the man's condition. He said to the man, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? Now, we're talking about misplaced focus. Listen at the man's response. The man said, in response to Jesus' question, do you want to be well? Here's what the man said. He said, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. For when I'm coming to the pool, after the water is stirred, someone steps in front of me and get in the pool ahead of me. Now, Jesus asked him a question, and notice his reply. He didn't say anything about yes. He wasn't even looking to Jesus Notice his focus, and he had misplaced focus. He said, well, I have no man. So his focus was, if I could just get a man or somebody to help me get in that pool. So all of his focus was looking around to try to find somebody who could help him get in that pool. His focus was on men. Secondly, notice his focus was on the pool. Now, Jesus is standing right in front of them, and we fast forward. Now, watch this. We fast forward. Jesus said, well, rise up, take up your bed, and walk. The man acted on, now another gifts of the Spirit, gifts of healings, required that man to be obedient. This wasn't faith healing. It was gifts of healings. The man got up and began to walk. <clears throat> now, notice for 38 years, the man's focus was on other men, trying to get somebody to help him. Secondly, he was looking at that pool. If I could just get in that pool. Now, the answer is right in front of him, but he's focused on that pool. If I could just get in that pool. And then thirdly, he was focused on men, he was focused on the pool, and he was focused on himself. He says, every time I try to get in that pool, every time I try to get in the pool, someone step in front of me, I'm, I'm able to get in the pool. So now notice his focus was on men, his focus was on the pool, and his focus was on himself. And for 38 years, the results was impotence. The man was ill for 38 years. Now, I got two revelations I want to give to you. We're talking about focus matters, and I wanted to say something about misplaced focus first, something about misplaced focus first, because I think many Christians have misfocus. They're, they're looking at the wrong thing. Now, listen at this statement, and this is a powerful statement here. I think this is going to really bless you. Sometimes the problem is not a matter of God's timing. Sometimes the problem is an issue 
of misplaced focus. Now, they're so powerful. I hope you're taking notes or mental notes. And I got my pad here. If I say anything that you don't understand, you have a question, you can send your questions in now. Sometimes the problem is not a matter of God's timing. It's a matter of misplaced focus. You know, here's here's what you and I, and I made the same mistake. Here's what we say. Whenever we come up short, or um, especially if we've been standing for a while or believing for a while and uh, we, we haven't seen the results, then we go to plan B. And plan B is God's timing. It's just not God's time. When God gets ready, he's going to give us a breakthrough. Well, I want to submit to you that some things are an issue of timing, but when it comes to our redemptive rights in Christ, remember now, God has already accomplished our redemption, and that redemption covers spirit, our minds, emotions, our relationships, our finances, our physical health. So, Jesus has already paid for it. So it would be strange for God to already pay for something and then tell me it's not time for you to receive. So if you think that God has a time for you to get healed, even though he paid the price 2,000 years ago, then you are operating in error because God has already paid the price. So sometimes, now listen to me again, sometimes it's not an issue of God's timing, it's an issue of misplaced focus. Now listen at this second statement, and this, this second statement is also a very powerful statement. Listen at this, the wrong focus will never produce positive results no matter how long you work at it. The wrong result, the wrong focus will not produce positive results no matter how long you work at it. And sometimes we we tell people, we tell ourselves, we just got to work harder, just work harder, just work harder. We tell ourselves, just stick with it, just stick with it. And sometimes that sticking with it is, is a part of the process. Patience is a part of the process. But at some point now, we should arrive, for example, I live in a city outside of Birmingham, Alabama, about 25 miles outside of the city of Birmingham, a city, small city called Calera. Now, this city, Calera, is about anywhere between 40 minutes to an hour from Montgomery, Alabama. So if you leave my house in Calera, you get on Interstate I-65 South in about 40 
two minutes to an hour, depending on traffic and depending on how fast you drive, you'll run right into Montgomery. I 65 South. Now, if you come from my house in Calera up to the interstate and turn right and go I-65 North, you're never going to arrive in Montgomery. No, you're not. Not Montgomery, Alabama, you're not. You're going I-65 North. Now, if you stay on I-65 North, you may reach Birmingham, you may reach Huntsville. You may reach Nashville. You may reach Louisville, Kentucky. You may reach Indiana, but you never going to reach Montgomery, Alabama. Why? Because you are going the wrong directions. You're going I-65 North when you should be going I-65 South. What am I saying? The wrong focus will never produce right results. No matter how long you work at it, no matter how stick to it is you have. I mean, you can stick to it forever and you're not going to arrive. Focus matters. Now, Jesus tells us the importance, and here again, you can send any questions you have. Jesus here tells us in Mark eleven twenty two where our focus should be. He says, have faith in God. Now, this is the first part of that spiritual hand mixer, because we're going to mix faith with that word. Our focus has to be in God. Now, I want you to evaluate yourself for a moment now. Some people, sometimes subconsciously, their focus is on other men. Their position, their influence, their resources. So they say, if I can just get so-and-so to network with me, if I can just get this person to see what I'm doing. If I can get this person, if I could just connect, if this person, God speak to this person, God. Now, granted, I do understand that God uses men. I am saying that some of the time, and in fact, in much of many cases, you believers are not focusing on God. They focusing on people who they think can help them. They're focusing on their these people's position. They focus on these people's resources. Well, God wants us to focus on him, not focus on men. And then God will speak to men. God will move on men to be a blessing to us. Now, some of us are focused on our circumstances. Whether they're good, God is good. If God's circumstances are bad, God is not with me. God is not for me. God is not helping me. You see, much of the time, our discouragement and our depression and, and our disappointments are connected to the fact that we're really focused on our circumstance. I've been there. I've done that. I'm telling you. I know exactly what I'm talking about. I, um, you know, I've been pastoring for a little 40 years, 
This is my 41st year of pastoring. Now, think about this. There were times when I would just be flat out depressed and discouraged and all that, but I wasn't focused on God. You're not going to, you're not going to be depressed focusing on God. You're not going to be discouraged focusing on God. We are discouraged because we're looking at our circumstances. We're encouraged when something good happens. So that causes us to be up and down. We get a break here. We're excited. We get a setback here, we're down. So we go from up, down, up, down, up, down, because our focus is not on God. Our focus is on our circumstances. And then, unfortunately, and here again, I've been there, I've had my focus on men, I've had my focus on my circumstances, and then thirdly, some people have their focus on themselves, and I definitely have had uh, my focus on myself. Sometimes it's focused on our worthiness, and sometimes we, we wonder whether we're worthy. We wonder whether or not we've done enough, we've been good enough to, to be blessed by God. So our focus is really on our worthiness. Sometimes our focus is on our knowledge or our intelligence or our education, our skill, our training. Sometimes we focus on our experience. We're not trusting God. We've done this before. It's like me, for example. Here I, I am. I've been passionate for 41 years. Think about that. That's a long time. It's easy when you've done something for a long time, you got experience in that, to shift your focus from God to your experience. Some of you worked on jobs for years. You don't even think about your job. And then some of you, you never even pray about your job. Why? Because you got experience. You know how to do this. So, so many times we're focused on our experience, some our past success, some our financial resources. We feel good right now because we got good money. We, we retired. We got to get income coming in. So our focus is on our resources. Some of us are focused on our hard work. Some of even focus on our faith. It's my faith. It's my faith. It's my faith. You can actually shift your focus from trusting God to trust in your own faith. But Jesus tells us to have faith in God. So, you know, my history in walking in faith, my biggest challenge, and I've said this in other series, my biggest challenge was discouragement. Everybody got their flavor. You know what I mean? Somebody got their, some people attempted with sex. Some people attempted with um, not having the resources. Some people attempted with jealousy and stuff like that. My greatest temptation over the course of the years has been with discouragement. And much of the time when I was discouraged, I was either focused on men a focus on my circumstances, and I would say a large percentage of the time I was I was really discouraged is I was focusing on myself. You know, 
whether I've done enough and I made this mistake and I wish I hadn't have done that and you know this and you know I'm behind on this and you know I wish I was this and I you know this and and internally I would end up beating myself up because my focus really wasn't on God my focus was on myself now there's benefits and there is an importance to having your confidence and your focus on God. And it, 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 it's, a, it's an adjustment. And I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. It's an adjustment. It's so easy to begin to focus on all these different things. It's just so easy. Now, listen at this. Mark chapter 10, verse 27 says, with men, it is impossible but not with God, for with God, all things are possible. Notice two things in juxtaposition, with men, with God. With men, with is a preposition. It simply means alongside of and connected to or connected to. So notice here, with men, is impossible. With God, all things are possible. With men, is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Now listen at the Message Bible translation of Mark 10, 27. This is really powerful. Jesus was blunt. I'm reading Mark 10, 27 out of the Message translation. Jesus was blunt no chance at all if you think you can pull it off by yourself. Every chance in the world if you let God do it. That is, that's good, isn't it? Now listen, the Message Bible, Mark 10, 27, Jesus was blunt. No chance at all if you think you can pull it off by yourself. No chance at all, Jesus says. If you think, now think about your dream, think about your goal, think about your idea, think about what you're trying to pursue in life. Jesus says, no chance at all. If you can pull it off or you think you can pull it off by yourself, every chance in the world, he says, if you let God do it. Now notice there are some things that are impossible with men, some things that are impossible. If we're going to join ourselves to men, if we're going to handle it ourselves, we're going to run up to a ceiling. There's going to be some boundaries and ceilings. They're impossible. Now watch this. But in God's inherent ability and in his willingness Watch this. There's no limits to what God can do. Now, follow me in and through the believer. I'll say that again because you didn't get that last part. You heard the part about God. There's no limits to God. Listen to the whole statement. In his inherent ability, God's inherent ability, and in his willingness, there's no limit to what God can do. Now, I didn't stop there. What God can do in 
and through the believer. That's why Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now notice he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh on the inside of us. So now listen at this. The measure of our potential, and this is beautiful. I don't care what you're believing for. I don't care what you're standing against. I don't care what your need is. It, regardless of your need, regardless of your situation, regardless of your desire, regardless uh, of what is coming against you, whether it be sickness or lack or jealousy or prejudice, whatever it is, the measure of our potential, your potential, my potential, is not our personal or corporate resources. The measure of our potential, your potential, is God working with us, for us, and through us. Now, that is so powerful. The measure. Listen, I got some comments. I got some questions there. Thank you so very much. Thank you. I'm going to get to your question in just, a, in just a few moments. The measure of our potential is not our personal resources. Not our personal resources. The measure of our potential is not our corporate resources. No matter who we connect ourselves with, that's our corporate resources, our corporate abilities. That's not the measure of our true potential. The measure of our true potential is God working with us, God working for us, and God working through us. The measure of your potential, I want you to get this. Please get this. Because some of you, you're dealing with something that you're never going to get there. You're never going to arrive. You are on I-65 North trying to get to Montgomery, and you're never going to get there. You've got to make some adjustments. And in this lesson, all we're talking about is your adjustment your, your adjustment with your focus because the measure of your potential is not your personal resources. No, no. You, your potential is not limited to your personal resource. No matter how much you have in the bank, no matter how strong you are physically or mentally, how gifted, how talented you are, that is not the measure of your potential. Your potential is not measured by all your partners and your networks in business. Your potential is measured by God working with you God working for you, and God working through you. Now, the rest of the way, and I'm going to get to your comments and questions in just a moment, but the rest of the way, I want to give you seven signs that your focus is off. 
How can I know if my, my focus is off? I'm going to give you seven signs that your focus is off. Seven signs that your focus is off. Number one, your focus is misplaced when you are so busy making a living that you don't have time for God, family, or church. Your focus is off. If you are so busy making a living that you don't have time for God, you don't have time for your family, and you don't have time for church. Secondly, your focus is misplaced when you are constantly fighting feelings of unworthiness. Are you constantly fighting feelings that maybe I'm not good enough and maybe I'm not worthy enough and I've done this wrong and I've made these mistakes? If you are constantly fighting feelings of unworthiness, your focus is on. Thirdly, your focus is misplaced if you are in an ongoing state of fear, worry, and temptation to quit, give up. Your focus is misplaced if you're in an ongoing state of fear, worry, temptation to quit. If you are in an ongoing state of fear, you're in an ongoing state of worry. If you're in an ongoing state of Quititis. I mean, you just want to quit. You go a little bit and you're ready to quit. You go a little bit and you're ready to quit. You go a little bit and you're ready to give up. That's because your faith, your focus is misplaced. Number four, your focus is misplaced when you are involved in gimmicks and get-rich-quick schemes. If you're involved in gimmicks, you're trying to find a gimmick, you're trying to find something that you're going to get this money real quick, you're just going to get it fast, you're in, a, you're in a gimmick, you're involved in some kind of get-rich-quick scheme, your focus is off, and guess what? That would include gambling, because some of you, you can't wait to get to the casino, because you just believe somewhere I'm going to hit that j jackpot. I'm going to hit the jackpot. You know, you you giving your money down in Mississippi, you giving your money down in Las Vegas. I mean, you just you just putting it out there. Why? Because you're in a gimmick. You're trying to get rich quick. Your focus is off. Number five, your your focus is misplaced when you expect spiritual leaders to be God to you. You your focus is misplaced. If you expect any spiritual leader, it can be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. If your pastor, and I'm a pastor, and I have my church loves me, my, my members love me, listen, but any pastor, that would include me, if your pastor has taken the place of God for you, or any spiritual leader, it can be uh, the apostle or the prophet. It, your focus is misplaced. Now you can tell, you can tell in this area, if that pastor, if that prophet, if that evangelist, if whoever it is, the spiritual leader, 
falls, some kind of immoral failure, and you quit God, or somebody in the church disappoints you, and you just quit church, and you quit going to church, then that that was because your focus was off. Because that spiritual leader, that apostle, prophet, evangelist, or that pastor, that teacher, was never God, was never Jesus. So if you fall away because that person's fall away, then that person has become God to you. You know your focus is off, misplaced. Sixthly, when you, you're hurt, this is consistent with number five, when your hurt or your disappointment with others cause you to leave, lose sight of what God said to you. If you are hurt by somebody, you're disappointed by somebody, and that hurt or that disappointment cause you to disregard what God said to you, then your focus was off. And then finally, number seven, your focus is off when you plan, act, then pray. Your focus is off when you plan, you act, and then you pray. Plan, act, pray. In other words, you plan, you you plan your thing out, and then you act on it, and now you tell God to bless it. That's wrong. You should be praying first, plan, and act. But if you are planning, acting, then praying, your focus is off. I trust that this was a blessing to you. I trust that it made a difference with you. We talked about focus today. In our next session, we're going to talk about the foundation. We're going to move from these are the parts to this mix in faith. It begins with my focus. Now, we have to have the right foundation, and we're going to talk about foundation in our next lesson. Let's look at some of the things that you've said uh, here, and this look good here. When you have, number one, when you have right, good intentions, how do you know your focus is wrong? I think I gave you seven reasons. I think I answered that question before. A problem, you probably sent the question, then I answered it. Because, see, good intentions, right intentions doesn't mean your focus is on, you know. And, and you can evaluate it if your focus on men is your focus on your circumstances, is your focus on yourself. You can evaluate that, and then you can take those seven things. How do you help people who are focused on themselves? Well, uh, the only way you can help somebody who's focused on themselves is their minds had to be has to be renewed. And this lesson is a mind renewal lesson. Only way you can change focus is your mind has to be renewed. Renewal simply means I have my way of thinking, I hear God's way of thinking, and I exchange God's way of thinking for my way of thinking. And I think if you'll meditate or, or you'll give this lesson to somebody or share it with somebody and they listen to this lesson and then listen to the rest of the things that I'm going to teach, oh, that focus will change. Your focus can change just like that. Your focus can change just like that. I know by my P 
peace level when my focus is off. See, thou will keep him in perfect peace, the Bible says, whose mind is stayed on you. So I can judge by my peace level. Ultimately, I can judge by my fruit level. If I'm engaged in something for years and it's never coming to fruition, then I've got to kind of evaluate that. You know, I think it was Albert Einstein who said that insanity is doing the same things over and over and expecting different results. So I can look at my peace level, tell whether my focus off, because if I'm afraid and worried and want to quit it, then that tells me right there that my focus is off. It tells me if I've been engaged with something for years, there should come a place where I'm getting some kind of benefit, spirit, mental, emotional, physical, social, some kind of progress should be taking place. How do you handle self-discouragement? I think I answered that. All that has a lot to do with your focus. You cannot be focused on the word. Now, here's a here's something against to you. I, I promise you this. Whenever you come to a place of discouragement, the word has slipped. You're not really meditating consistently. You may go every now and then, but you're not meditating. You got gaps because you cannot be consistent in the word and I keep a journal of what God says to me. You cannot, whenever I'm discouraged, is because the, I've lost sight of what the scripture says. I've lost sight of what God said to me in my journal. That's the only way you can be discouraged. You cannot be discouraged focusing on God. It's impossible. It's impossible. Could it be a stronghold in a person's life when they don't know that they're doing this? Yes, it absolutely can be a stronghold. And I tell you something about that. I'm glad you brought that stronghold business up. I've been teaching on the gifts of the spirit and it's about four weeks. I got one more week to go this coming Sunday. I'll finish that. Then we're going to get back into our authority. And one of those lessons that's coming up is going to be on strongholds, but you're absolutely right. When a person don't know over a period of time, it can possibly be a stronghold in that area. I had a stronghold poverty in my life. You know, I, you know, I, it, I just had, a, I had a stronghold of fear, stronghold of discouragement, stronghold of poverty. And I didn't really know I had a poverty mentality, but it was hard for me to receive. You know what I mean? Prosperity seemed like a glass in front of me. I could see the prosperity, but I couldn't get it. I couldn't reach it. And I just meditated in that word. And there was a time all I listened to was prosperity uh, lessons. My wife had a had an issue with low self-esteem and inferiority and, and all this kind of stuff. And she went on a 40-day fast. And it wasn't just a food fast. It was a, a word fast. In other words, she said, I'm not going to watch any television. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just going to get in the word for 40 days. And she she broke that. She broke that stronghold that she had in her life. What are some tips you recommend, Pastor, to self-evaluate and guard against misplaced focus? The tips I'm giving you in this lesson, I mean, 
I think if you are meditate this and, and see, sometimes my job is just to take you to the pasture. I think if you'll take this lesson, it's going it's you know, you can download it. It's going to be on the YouTube uh, church Facebook page and just listen to it and meditate on it. God will open up some areas where he can show you some things where you've been missing. Uh, you have a misplaced focus, but I think this lesson will get the job in terms of locating you. You know, I got other things to share because there are three other things we're going to deal with, but I, you're going to get a lot out of this series, no doubt about it. Does our environment, people who we surround ourselves with, play a role in our focus? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The Bible says, he that walk with wise men will be wise. He that is a companion of fools will be destroyed. So notice carefully who we hang around in our environment has a lot to do with what we're experiencing. Years ago, I began to go visit other churches. I had to get outside of my surrounding. I had to see somebody and something that was bigger than I was experiencing. Because you're, if, if all you around are people struggling, if all, and now I'm not saying get rid of your friends, but I'm just saying if that's your whole world, you know, your whole world, <laughs> years ago, you'll laugh at this. Years ago, when early in my marriage, now, Wylam is where I was raised up. I love Wylam. To this day, I love Wylam. Wonderful people in Wylam, great people in Wylam, but Wylam is not a progressive community. It's not a progressive. In fact, over the years, it has degressed. It has uh it really moved into a place where there's a lot of lag there. But I I didn't want to live anywhere but Wildham. I said, I'm going to build me a house in Wildham. I'm going to build me a brick house in Wildham. My wife was thinking, why in the world you want to live? She wasn't putting down Wildham. She was just saying, Wildham, there's more to life than this. Okay. Now, I use that as an illustration, not to put down my community because I love my community. In fact, the church that I pastor in Birmingham is in Wildham, okay? So this is not a put down. What she was saying is that the world is bigger. Now, some of you, your world is too small. Your environment is too small. You're never going to move outside of your world until you get outside of your world. It wasn't until we start traveling We've gone to Europe and we've gone to different places and outside of this country. And it's a big, beautiful place. But if you've never been anywhere, you will think America and your community and where you live, you think that's all it is to the life. OK, environment does play a part. Pastor Mike, Ephesians 3.20, one of my favorite scriptures. And I've always taken the last part according to the power that worked in us to mean the power was faith and love. But what you're telling us is that the power that worketh in us is God working on our behalf. Is that right? Yeah. I'm saying really what he's referring to is the spirit of God and God himself on the inside of us. 
and we trust in him, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, according to him working with us and through us and for us. It's not just some independent of us. It's him working in us and for us and through us that we can do exceedingly abundantly. Listen, these were great questions, great comments. Thank you so very much. I really appreciate this time. Listen, you want to get this, download it, share it, and then we're going to pick right back up. Now, on my Thursday, my Thursday podcast, I'm talking about dating, dating intelligence. Listen, if you're dating, want to date, need to date, believe in the date, you want to listen to my Thursday podcast, 7 p.m. Central on Facebook and YouTube this Thursday. We're talking about dating. Listen, I love you. 